Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros. Stand the man. Paul Segretto. Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today. Sustainable growth. The sensible franchising. Franchise today. Sustainable growth. The sensible franchising. Franchising today. Hello everyone in the franchise world, my name is Paul Segreto and this is Franchise Today. Today is Wednesday, September 20th, 2017 and I of course am recording live from the great city of Houston, Texas, joined by my co-host, the infamous Stan Friedman in Hotlanta, Georgia. Stan, how are you today? Hey, Paul, I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Happy that neither you or I have any major weather to be talking about today, do we? No, we don't. But, of course, <laughs> our thoughts and prayers still go to all uh, those adversely affected by recent events. I was speaking with someone for the first time in a week from South Florida who just got his power back yesterday. So they've got a long uh, road ahead. And, of course, uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to the people in the uh, in the Caribbean, uh, the uh, Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, and getting hit a second time in in a short period of time is just absolutely uh, devastating. Well, I wasn't suggesting that there wasn't weather in the news. It's just that for once, none of it is here in Atlanta or in your native Houston, Texas. So we're both in good stead this week. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, Hurricane... Uh, Maria will have, no, it won't be, it was Jose, will have left us on the uh, East Coast. I think they're getting some bands of, of rain. So when we're in Philadelphia next week, um, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll stay dry. And looking forward to it. Springboard's finally upon us. So um, I'll see you there on Monday. And a great many of our listeners, I hope, will be joining us as well in Philadelphia with Brad and Lane and the uh, 2017 Springboard. And, Paul, I'm going to do something different this week. I'm going to forego any of the time we spend on the front of the house, given that we've got two great guests and so, so much that we want to share and talk about. Uh, I thought we'd stay at front of the house this week. Just thanks, Scott Lowry, founder of Buffalo Wild Wings, for being with us last week. And um, perhaps ask you to just dive right into our introductions of today's guests. Absolutely. So as I was, um, you know, doing some of our research uh, and diligence ahead of the show, I found a, a great comment by one of today's guests that said the question to ask is not whether you can franchise, and then in parentheses that anything can be franchised, but whether you should franchise. And, of course, that's from Michael Sy, the co-author of Franchise Management for Dummies. And with that, I'd like to introduce uh, Michael Side and Joyce Mazzaro, both co-authors and very, very well-known franchise professionals. Welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you. Hi, guys. Good Appreciate it. Good to be on the show with you. You know, it's been a, it's been a long time coming. Uh, Michael, I think it was probably a year and a half ago, you and I were sitting someplace in a, in a restaurant at one of the franchise events, and we talked about getting you on the show, uh, but I'm finally glad to be here. Joyce, you and I haven't spoken in many, many years. Um, I think it might even go back into the 90s, I'm embarrassed to say, 
when uh, we were working together on the Coalition for Responsible Franchising here in That's Texas, right. uh, spearheaded by Steve Hammerstein and uh, and others. And uh, so it, it, it certainly has been a long time, especially when we're only some and we 200 were miles away too. from each other. Yes, we were. <laughs> I mean, it, it opened my eyes. and I, I often say it was one of those uh, bench milestones for me more than, than a bedroom milestone for me uh, in franchising and it opened my eyes to a whole different world which of course has, has helped me today so uh, I appreciate your efforts back then and like you said we were successful um, it was um, it was a good time a um, lot of lot of effort a lot of strong uh, some a lot of strong backs that carried that through God, I even remember all the faxes we sent out back in the day of of the uh, the, the glossy paper and everything else about time. Fax? What's what, what the fax? Stan, what's the fax? Yeah, Stan, that's, that's back in, in, in your day, right, Stan? Careful, Paul. <laughs> I usually have to stand a little bit of a, of a dig about him being a couple of years older than me. Tread lightly, Paul. Tread lightly. Yeah. <laughs> So why don't we why don't we do this and start off, uh, Joyce? Let's start with you, uh, and then we'll turn to Michael. We'd like to to know a little bit about you. Uh, Stan often says you didn't leave college one day and say, you know, I think I'm going to go into franchising. Uh, go back as as far as you'd like in your in your, as Michael said, uh, about 30 years of life, <laughs> uh, knowing you since you're five years old. But no, go back to as far as you want. And, and bring us forward to, um, you know, where you are today so our audience uh, has an understanding of your background and specifically in franchise. Well, I certainly appreciate that opportunity, and I'll make it um, as brief as, as it should be. Um, but I will say that I think we have to now deal with Michael being having a bruised ego because I'm going first. So, so Michael, I just I want to uh, just just uh, say to you that I will now incorporate you in in my history because you're such an important part of it. But let me just say this: um, <laughs> right before I went to law school, someone gave me some incredibly uh, good advice and said that I should try to uh, make sure that when I practice law, I practice law in an area that I can be well-known in, be the best in, be a standout in, um, and that there you know, weren't that many people already in that area. And at that young age, I didn't know what that would be. But as I went through law school, I had the opportunity to um, do certain clerkships and internships in, at companies, and I started out at churches, um, and that's back when they had GW Juniors, and I had a blast. And, and that was... Um, kind of the, a point where I, I thought that there were things about business and the business model of franchising um, that really intrigued me, and um, I, I felt that I wanted to know more. Um, and so when I uh, got out of law school, even when I was uh, I started out as a litigator, um, I still still um, engaged in. Um, part of my practice that related to franchising matters. And, and then when I actually returned to Texas, I was um, general counsel for a very, very large company that did franchising. Um, and that was Curtis Mathis Corporation, which probably nobody remembers anymore because it was you know, back when people kind of made televisions and kind of made them in the United States. I kind of so, remember um, Curtis Mathis. So maybe I am as yeah, old as Paul. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. 
No, so, I have you know, to. You, 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 you have to remember tube television. <laughs> okay, you guys, this is my story. Um, so the, so the, the, this was like the largest conversion franchise or ever. Everybody thinks it's Century 21, but it, it's a, you know, uh, Curtis Mathis had like 700 uh, dealers and all of them were converted. So uh, I went through that and as a very young lawyer sitting at the table with management um, and then, you know, almost six months after I uh, became a lawyer in-house, the then sitting general counsel had left and I took over. So, you know, I was like still, uh, you know, just trying to find my way around a courthouse, much less, you know, running the legal function for the company. And it was extraordinary. I mean, it's every piece of it was extraordinary. And I, I got to travel and deal with uh, real life issues that um, uh, I never would have had I had I uh, not taken a, a leap on um, franchising and what I saw as the tremendous potential for uh, expansion of, of brands and, and reaching consumers uh, in a way that uh, they never would uh, because not everybody has the capital to do that. And, and now, um, and I'm going to segue this to Michael because, you know, in franchising is such a great potential for social reform and helping uh, people across the globe on so many uh, levels um, that it, it's just been a, an enriching um, uh, experience uh, to be involved. So I hope that helps you a little bit. Yeah, it definitely helps. Uh, and thank you for that. Michael, we're, we're going to give you the stage and, uh, and ask that uh, Nobody interrupt you because uh, I, I think we could probably banter back and forth and laugh a lot, I'm sure. Um, but tell us, you know, go back, I mean, as far as you'd like to go back as well and, and kind of bring us up to speed as to, uh, you know, how franchising was on your radar and uh, to where we are today. Yeah, <clears throat> thanks, Paul. Um, I started life professional life as a uh, CPA and realized that it had to be the most boring profession I could ever imagine getting into. I was the, I thought I was the only person in the entire profession that had actually been gifted with a personality. So I fled that to go into an operations role with one of my British clients actually in the fine art industry. So uh, my first uh, operations job was actually as chief operating officer of one of the fine art auctioneers. There's Sotheby's Christie's, the third largest in the world is Phillips. And that's where I thought my career would be. And I was recruited over to this little company uh, called Supercuts. Um, little, it was a strange changeover from being, you know, in the rarefied era of fine art into, uh, you know, starting to deal with franchisees and haircuts and all of that stuff. Uh, stayed with them till we got to about 800 locations, and from there formed MSA back in 1987. One of the first people that I met, because my little office was in uh, Dallas, Texas, was this nice young lady by the name of Joyce Mazzaro, who actually, and it's a lovely story, she invited me out to lunch and actually didn't let me sit at lunch until she reviewed some of my work and then realized that it was okay to sit with me. So that was my <laughs> beginning with Joyce. That was my beginning of my practicing law, too. I had to be very careful. 
who I associated <laughs> with. But MSA MSA has now been around uh, since 1987. It has grown nicely. The reputation of the firm is quite strong. Our client base is. Uh, I still get surprised by some of the clients that, you know, actually say, "Michael, what's your opinion?" Because that's it's still kind of heady areas at this point. Um, passions in life, and Joyce mentioned a little bit. Uh, besides our practice in um, in franchise consulting and advisory work and M and A and that stuff, is you know my work overseas in social franchising. So part of a group that has 165 medical clinics in Kenya and Rwanda just got back from Ghana recently, developing birthing centers. Uh, in Ghana, uh, Angola, where we're doing malaria clinics, um, did work in Venezuela, uh, doing work there. So social franchising is what I do from 4 o'clock in the morning to about 8 o'clock in the morning every day. And then the rest of the day is my wow. day job. Pretty impressive, Michael. And they say the best people in the world to give more to to do are those who already look very, very busy. And um, I think you're kind of a walking poster child for that theory, Michael, because it would seem to me that cranking out books and doing all the things that you do and on top of that now taking uh, the heart space that you've dedicated to social franchising on top of it all, um, it's pretty daunting. I think some would find that incredible that you can manage all those balls and keep them all in the air. I wanted to ask you, before we get into the discussion of, of the current book, I just wanted to do a throwback to the first book and I'm reminded of back in 03, 04, 05, 06, I was at Wing Zone and uh, still on the franchisor side of the business and I used to ship you boxes of those books and you were so good to me and I, I'm thanking you now publicly if I've never thanked you enough before um, you used to autograph those books, Wing Zone does it right and uh, I would give those books to my Discovery Day visitors, and I'd say, here's this big, thick, daunting document that the government says I have to give you to help you, to help protect you um, in your in your discovery of, of what a franchise is all about. And then I would lay your book down beside it, and I'd say, this book right here is going to break all that down for you and help you understand what's important in there and how to make sense out of all the gobbledygook. Still want you to go get a lawyer. Still want you to get outside counsel. But this book can be... Uh, you know, to help you crack the code. And I'm Don't looking now. Wait, you, were, you, were, you were using my signature to sell franchises, and I just don't remember <laughs> any commission checks coming my way. <laughs> you didn't get well, them? So, so, well, Stan, what you, Stan, I now sign all of his books for him. So, you know, now you can kind of send the commission to me. There's actually a great story with that book. I was at a uh, conference one time, and a guy came over to me and said, uh, would I sign the book? And I said, certainly. And then he came back and said, could you have Dave Thomas sign it? And I said, I, you know, I'm sorry, Dave passed away. And about an hour later, he came back to me and he said to me, uh, any chance that Dave Thomas can sign it? And I looked at him and I said to him, I just told you, Dave died. And sure enough, about 45 <laughs> minutes later, he came back a third time and I signed the book, Michael's side and dead Dave. And somewhere on the internet, Michael side and dead Dave as a signature is, is floating around. Um, <laughs> who knew? Who knew? But Michael, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to say this. I did find one comparison already between the two 
books. And while the first one was a lot more basic in its approach to what the audience uh, could glean from the book, but that first book, too, as is the case with this one, and I'm going to ask you to talk more about that, um, can be used in many ways. I mean, it could be a, a primer, and it could also be a guide. That first book, you could sit down and have read from cover to cover, or you could have just taken it as a desktop guide to the things you want to know about any of the particular 22 or 23 items in an, in an agreement or in, in an offering circular. Or, you know, you could use it as a reference book or as a, a cover-to-cover read. This book, while it goes into much more depth, it's designed the same way, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, the major difference, look, the commonality of the two books is that I was gifted in the first book with an experienced, really bright, uh, knowledgeable franchisor. In the second book, I'm gifted with one of the best franchise lawyers uh, on the planet, and I'm also gifted with one of the harshest taskmasters I've ever had working next to me. I mean, Joyce Mazzaro is just a bear when it comes to, can I get to you in 15 minutes? And she always says no. So the book, the book got into a lot more. The book, the book takes the same approach where you could read it as a novice or you can read it as somebody who is sophisticated because the data's in there. But it does get into some granular levels. And what made the book really fun this time, besides the challenge of working with Ms. Mazzaro, is that the first book had no CD. The second, the second version of the, of the old book had a CD, but it was a stagnant document. When we did the new book, it has a web page, and the web page allowed us to blow out information in the hundreds or thousands of pages. So you start to see things that wouldn't fit in the book, like site selection manuals and HR manuals, things that we would normally charge clients for. We've taken them down to a different level, put them into a good format, but the website has made the book very interesting for readers and i get comments from people saying wow this is terrific and we'll be adding to the website as things go on you know, and Joyce, to, to, yeah. can i add to that please um, please do so so this book um and and i'm not a bear i'm i'm actually a pussycat michael always <laughs> calls me a bear but not not right but but <laughs> Michael and I were allowed to expand the audience with this book because it provides perspective and content for the prospective franchisor as well as the prospective franchisee, the existing franchisor, the existing franchisee, and then expands you know, uh, into an international context and, of course, then um, the social franchising context. So we were able to delve into topics that the first one didn't quite address from from those perspectives. And that was enjoyable because uh, I think we both feel that the reader benefits from seeing um, both sides of the coin. And instead of, you know, always being uh, warned or cautioned uh, about one perspective, balancing it with um, the perspective of the other side that you're going to be negotiating with, whether you're franchisor or franchisee, helps you round out your viewpoint 
uh, and your approach, and I think also set expectations more properly. And I love the idea uh, that you used it uh, for Discovery Day because that is what we are um, sending out books to franchisors all around the country, uh, including emerging franchisors, so that they can use the book um, instead of you know putting together their own program to kind of go through that maybe some of the same same issues. They've got the book right there that they can use with prospective franchisees and also to educate their own staff. So I'm so happy to hear that that was something that you did in the past. And yeah, Joyce, it's it's, it's good. I was just going to. I wanted Joyce to comment on. I was going to ask actually how the two of you uh, got involved in this project together. But if if I remember reading someplace, I believe Joyce that you were involved in the original Dummies book for franchising as well, weren't you? Yes, I was um, one of Michael's legal advisors, um, and I got to go through the book and correct all of his mistakes <laughs> in the law. Um, so no, there were none. There were absolutely none. Uh, yeah. but, uh, so I was one of his legal advisors and fortunate that we stayed friends after this. <laughs> so, so when this came up, you know, we, we decided we wanted to do this together. And there, I think it's there, an awesome there, 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 There's the law and then there's the practicality of business. Right. And uh, often as not, there's a sliver in the middle, which doesn't create risk, but creates a lot of opportunities and the nice thing about working with a business lawyer, and I separate a business lawyer from just a franchise lawyer, the nice thing working with a business lawyer who deals is that run away from the server, and, and they're very helpful. One piece, of, one piece of thing that everybody needs to know about Joyce Mazzaro, and this is not picking on her, but it, was, it made writing the book fascinating to me. I like contractions. Absolutely. I don't find anything wrong with contractions. I mean, I use them all the time because that's how I speak. And 99.9% of Americans like contractions too. There is an exception. Every single draft of the book, of the section that I would write, and how we did it was I would write a section, Joyce would send me back comments or vice versa. She would take out every contraction. So, you know, it, it was just an interesting piece to learn how to write in somebody else's style. So as you read through the book and you don't find a single contraction, ain't my fault. Blame it on Miss Mazzaro. No, they're all over the place because I was overruled by everybody. It was really me who had to learn to write in somebody else's style because it's a very casual, easy to read book. And, and I, while I pride myself on, on plain English and, and being able to to write uh, in the same way that hopefully I talk plainly, the contraction piece of it was beyond my my ability. So um, I learned a lot from that. I'm trying to use contractions now, and there's a therapy group I go to to also assist. <laughs> and, and, we, and we also take you know, out the and, phrase, including but not limited to. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the all-encompassing disclaimer, huh? Uh, <laughs> you know, Stan, I think we're going to have some listeners saying, what's a contraction? <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. I could see that happening. You know, Michael, um, I was really not amazed because we do this day in and day out, but the simplicity of the, of the quote that I commented on uh, to begin with. The question is not to ask whether you can franchise because anything can be franchised. 
but whether you should franchise. Give us some thought as to, you know, how that might have been and if it was, you know, part of the motivation of writing this book. Yeah, it, it was. Um, as you guys know, um, I've sat now on the board of the IFA for uh, coming up on a little bit more than 13 years. Uh, Joyce sat on the board uh, as well uh, in the past. And one of the things that you see is, and we talk about franchising being very successful, and the main it is, but there's an awful lot of companies, and I would say a larger percentage than anybody would care to admit, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll give you a number if you really press me, but there's a large percentage of companies that start franchising, and within three to four years, they're no longer franchising or totally out of business, and a bunch of folks who uh, bought franchises or invested in franchises have lost their investment or are now independent, and part of the reason for that is there's no... There's no hurdle in the United States to be a franchisor. Uh, you don't need a concept. You don't need a business that's successful. The business could have failed every single year. None of that needs to be disclosed. And you have in franchising these companies that are franchise packaging firms, and we all know who they are. So people go up and they say, I want a franchise, and nobody asks them why. So we actually, from our point, about a third of the people that – come to us and want a franchise, and we, we do a lot of business. We're, we're fortunate on that. Um, about a third of the people we can tell right over the phone, you don't need to franchise or you shouldn't be franchising or whatever. You can clear those out. Then the folks that get into the filter, we start out with a threshold analysis. That's our, whether it's a really small company or Fortune 10, we go through a threshold analysis, maybe 15 or 18 different points. Some are right. problem is that anything in the United States can be franchised, even if it shouldn't be. Companies that could be licensed are franchised today. Companies that will obviously fail will be franchised today. And at a certain point in time, you get tired of that. So, yeah, the book, you know, uh, the book at some level was to halt that nonsense because it really is not necessary franchising when it's done well is extraordinary when it's done badly a lot of people get hurt and that's unfortunate let me just add to that point because i want to give credit to michael for something that he said to me like many many years ago and it took a while to resonate with me as a as a young lawyer but i I grasped it and have carried through on it, and, and my, I instruct my team accordingly um, now some 30 years into practicing. But when, whenever um, we get calls uh, from a company or individuals who want to pull together uh, their business, their system, their ideas into a franchise, and they have not been in the franchising business before, um, we won't uh, take on the work, the legal work for the business without them having also retained a reputable franchise consultant because the feasibility and the business plan and what the ch and the challenging of these business people about their own thoughts and their program and what will work and what will not work is an exercise that needs to take place. And uh, there are 
some remarkably talented bis- you know, franchise business consultants in the, in the country, and Michael is, you know, standout bar none. Um, so it's a, it's a um, theme of our practice with emerging franchisors that I'm sure has stopped us from getting business um, at times. But And I know that there are lawyers who will um, grind out a franchise disclosure document and agreements for anything. Um, thankfully, they're not largely in the legal community of franchise lawyers that, that we see uh, on an everyday basis because they're high-quality people. Um, but that happens. And so I think the franchise business consultant and the lawyers in that sense have to partner up to make sure that the full picture um, is given to the client of, of what they're about to uh, embark on in terms of the, the the business itself. So I just want to state that because I think that resonates with what Michael has said. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman, along with Paul Segreto, and we're talking today with two franchising icons, Michael Side, founder and managing director of MSA Worldwide, a leading strategic and tactical advisory firm in franchising, and Joyce Mazzaro, partner and co-chair of the global supply practice at the law firm of Gardere Wynn Sewell, and an active agent, Joyce is, in working on behalf of women in both food service and franchising. Together, they are the authors of the latest book in the Four Dummies series, Franchise Management for Dummies, and that's what we're talking about today. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting a hybrid approach delivering more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as their franchisees. The Franchise Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and providing the roadmap and guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about Paul Segreto and the Franchise Foundry, along with their expanding list of clients, at www.franchisefoundry.com. Franchise Today also brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and in prospective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently managed, tracked, and stored in candidate and franchisee records. No excuses, no just solutions, no long-term contracts, and multiple upgrades each year. You'll find them on the web at frmsolutions.com. So Michael and Joyce... I, I feel like the thing that this book does um, 
uh, hey, Stan, overarching. Before you get into the next question, and I apologize for jumping on you, can I say something about FRM? Uh, I hope so. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but and 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 I'm not going to say anything about Paul's because everybody knows Paul's company. But I just want to say something about FRM. One of our clients is an extraordinarily large company, important to our practice, and I would say they're Fortune 10. Um, and they asked us for a platform to look at for communications and for tracking it. And FRM came was one of the recommendations we made because of two things. One, the platform's great and it's stable, it's easy to use, and all that good stuff. But it also comes with Stan Friedman. So when you're looking at, and I'm not making a commercial for you, but when you're looking at it, it is a really good platform. So I just wanted to say that while I have you online. Listen, I'm happy to shut up and let you keep going, Michael. I appreciate that. Very, very much. <laughs> very, very kind. Very kind of you. And I wanted to say that the thing I really feel powerfully about in this book is – is that while Michael might have played a lawyer on television, we all know, even he knows, he's not a lawyer. But the two most critically important things that intersect in any franchise relationship is the overlapping confluence of both business and law. And when you've got two of the best in, in, in the industry coming together to, to address the common interests in franchising that are both legal as well as commercial, uh, this book really, to me, is a powerful piece of material that everyone should have. And I believe it's gotten way too easy over the years for people to become franchisees. And in more recent years, it's gotten easier still, as you pointed out, Michael, for some people who probably shouldn't, uh, but do become franchisors. And I really think that there's a large chunk of this book that can help people figure out and help them begin to know what they don't know about what it really means to be a franchisor. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I would. And, you know, let's stop for the, on the franchisee side because I assume some of the listeners are franchisees. A lot of people get trapped up in this idea of franchising is the way to go. A lot of it do with personality. Uh, I make the world's worst franchise. The reason for that is I question everything. I, nothing is good enough for me. So if somebody says to me, cook your burger, a franchisee needs to be able to do exactly what our military does, which is what makes soldiers some of the best franchisees. You execute to the franchisor's plan exactly as it's written, and then you approve upon it, but you don't change it. And so a lot of people jump into franchising thinking that, you know, they'll be able to run the business their way. They're going to run it on a day-to-day basis their way, but they have to run it to precise brand standards in many systems. And that becomes something which makes franchising not right for that individual. So when people are looking at franchising and they meet a gifted franchise salesperson, trust me, I, Paul, you can sell a franchise in a company that doesn't exist because we're gifted at the craft. Somebody who's never been in franchising before gets swept up into this emotions of becoming a franchisee. And part of what the book is for is to have them take a step back and take a breath, 
understand where they are in the sales process, read a little bit about what's going on, get the perspective from the franchise salesperson. But the book is really meant uh, to protect potential franchisees at a certain level from picking, first of all, whether franchising is right or not, and then to make sure they're picking the right industry that's for them and then the right company in the industry, and then to understand what to do. One of the things that I'm most proud of in the book is on the website, there's a 102-page due diligence workbook for potential franchisees called Making the Franchise Decision. Now, there's 102 pages in there of information that you want to get from a franchise or the salesperson is going to hate you. They hate me for having the book, having that booklet out there. But it's an essential thing if you want to protect your interest is get the answers that that, that 102 pages of making the franchise decision asks you to get. That's what, that's what I like about doing both Dummies 1 and then this book with Joyce. So let me just so, add, add to that. Go right ahead. Um, well, I, I just wanted to, from the franchisee's perspective, and, and this recently ha- happened because last year, and, and to become effective fairly shortly, we have some changes now in the law as it relates to the making of financial performance representations by franchisors. Um, and this is about how they can show you uh, numbers, normally historical information, uh, about yeah, Stan, how that's, that's units earnings have, claims, Stan. Right, so that's earnings claims. Yes, Thanks, right. Michael. But, but, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons I think that laws and regulation uh, change is because people are trying to protect um, the prospective buyer, um, but also ignore that the prospective buyer has already, already has a tool at their disposal um, that's just not used. And so, for example, to franchisees, do not ask the franchisor for the substantiating data that supports their financial performance representation, their earnings claims. They are entitled to that information. If they receive that information, then a lot of the changes that the law makes to protect people about information that franchisors can put in a document – would become unnecessary or certainly reduced because you would see what it is that is the backup for the representation in the first place. And I, re- I gave a, a talk on this earlier this year, and I, I, I don't think even you know, 10% of the franchisors have received uh, a request from a prospective franchisee for substantiating data and that should be one of the first things that counsel for that franchisee advises the franchisee to do uh, because it will open up vistas of information about that franchisor that just looking at the disclosure document will not. And, and, and the sad thing is, and, and just to follow up what Joyce is saying, is it says in item 19, you can have substantiating data. And it, it's not that it's voluntary, it's the requirement. So the idea of a lot of the issues in franchising, when you see relationship laws being pushed, when you see litigation taking place, so much of it has to do with the fact that the franchisee gets swept up into the emotions of becoming a franchisee, doesn't read that document 
from cover to cover. And the first half is in a decent type of plain English. The back half, the franchisee doesn't go and find the, a good, solid franchisee lawyer. And there are lists published to franchisee lawyers. I mean, there's a list on my website of every lawyer in the United States that claims to be a franchisee lawyer. There's broken down by state. So the, the, the point that Joyce is bringing up is there's a lot of information in there, and we will sit down, both Joyce has, I have, I'm sure Paul has, and Stan has, and you'll be with somebody who has just made a multi-million dollar investment, and you say to him, did you read the agreement? And they'll say, no, it's, you know, it's a form agreement, why should I bother reading it? That's the problem. The problem is not the disclosure, because the disclosure is great, or it's, it could be improved, but the fact is that the reader who should be reading it because it's a life-changing event, becoming a franchisee, they don't bother to read it. And then they want to come back and say, but I didn't know. Well, you could have known if you read it because, as Joyce points out, that's supplemental information. There's a line in the FDD in item 19 that says you can have it, but nobody ever asks for it. Nope, nobody does. I'd like to go back to um, – talking about, you know, the, the different people that get involved in, in franchising, both franchisees and, and franchisors. And back in June, um, both of you had an interview with Robert Crisanti, CEO and president of the International Franchise Association, uh, who also happened to write the uh, foreword for the book. Uh, and he asked a question, and I'd like to start with Joyce. You know, what characteristics does a person need to succeed in franchising and I'd like to get your input on that, Joyce. The, the first characteristic, um, and this is maybe a little bit repetitive of what Michael said earlier, but this uh, idea that you don't know best um, is, is, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's a uh, personality type that I think is, is number one in terms of success because you have to be open to accepting the fact that to be associated with a brand and a, and a system, you are operating under the brand name. You are representing the system. It is your business, but you are operating pursuant to the standards, the criteria, the requirements of the brand and the system. And once you elect to do that, then you're going to need to follow them. And so your idea that it, you might come to the conclusion because you believe that you are smarter, better, more experienced than um, the franchisor that you can change things or to think that you should be changing things you know, before you get in that you've already determined you don't like. That's a bad recipe for uh, success and certainly one for failure. I'm not saying that there's not room and franchisors are not uh, receptive to considering change. But it's but it's you, you have to be committed, and I think commitment is the other characteristic, committed to the vision and the mission of the brand, and, and that everything that you do will help fulfill that vision and mission of the brand, whether it's customer service and how you treat your customers, the investment you make in your business, how you relate to the franchisor. It, it all has to be a, a we not a uh, not a division into them and us. And and once we 
and once people start to think as a we, uh, the brand becomes stronger be, because of their involvement. The other, the other characteristic I think it, that that's very important is um, always being inquisitive, curious, uh, looking at how you can do things better, and being receptive to your own self-criticism as well as the criticism of the franchisor and, and your customers on how you can enhance and elevate your um, level of excellence to new heights um, and, and being so a little bit humility, I, I think, as well. Those are the things that I, I think are important. Yeah, let, let me jump, Michael, let me jump in, in that, on that. Well, yeah, I was going to um, ask you, too, that in that interview – um, your response was more towards franchisor and franchisee. So add mm-hmm. to what Joyce is saying, but I'd also like to know specifically from you uh, what you feel the characteristics a person needs to succeed as a franchisor. Okay. Um, have you all seen the movie The Founder? It's a story yes. of Ray Kroc and, and Craig. Oh, yes. And – Yep. And if you looked at if you looked at the product that was being offered in 1955, it looks nothing like the product that's being offered today. And yet, the same brand is carrying those new products and new services and new hours and drive-throughs and all of that. And what you need as a great franchisor is a real good understanding of what you're franchising. And what you're franchising is not the hamburger or the hotel room or the dry cleaning business or the carpet cleaning business. You're franchising a brand with a culture, and that culture is what is, is the foundation for any great company, let alone a great franchise. So you want to create a brand that is consistent, sustainable, replicatable, but it's replicating the culture because the product and service will change, or you'll be Sears and Toys R Us and out of business pretty quickly. So franchisors uh, understand what their brand promise is at a cultural level, and they demand that from the franchisees because at the end of the day, the customer is not coming in, and franchisees will get upset with this. They're not coming in for Joe the Barber. They're coming in because it's Supercuts or it's Great Clips or it's Sport Clips. They're coming in for the brand, and they're expecting that. If you look at Great I think we're losing Michael on his cell phone. Mike, I think we're cutting out a little bit. Hello? Uh, I gotta love technology. Yep, we got there we go. He's back. Yes. So, am I back? Yep. So what yes. I'm trying to say quickly is the great brands out there, the brands that have legs the brands which make money for people are the brands where the culture is the center of the universe. Well, that makes or nothing but sense absolutely to me. correct. So that's what we're trying to do. Go ahead, guys. I wanted, well, to, try well, to, I wanted to try to wrap up the program today with – with room to talk some about social franchising. And Michael, I hope that your cell phone is going to hold out long enough for that because I really think that you've been a pioneer in this space. And (laughs) I wonder if, if our audience even really understands the impact of what social franchising is all about 
or do they just think social media? No, we're not talking about social media. We're talking about social franchising. And Michael, please, if you would, um, in, in our time left, spend a little bit of it talking about that. I have with a couple of guys who are very well known in franchising, past chairs of the IFA. We have a franchise system in Africa called CFW Shops in Kenya and Rwanda. It's called One Family Health. And these are clinics owned by local nurses. It looks exactly like any other franchise on the planet. And we've served 5 million patients. We haven't. My franchisees have. And it's, if you look at social franchising, it's a way of using the technology of commercial franchising to do good. So, for instance, the Clinton Foundation, which does some really good work, even if you don't like their politics, they cure malaria for $5.15. My nurses do it for $1.75 and make a profit. What's the difference? The difference is our supply chain. We have the best supply chain, and we have the most in Africa. But a couple of weeks ago, I was in Ghana and working with a, a company, a Dutch company that's funded by the Dutch government, and we're developing birthing centers. Why are we developing birthing centers? The number one killer for women, surprisingly, is giving birth. How, you know, how sad is that? And when you get to wow. Africa, there's a huge brain drain. So we've developed a franchise system that allows us to use a hub-and-spoke system, very common and commercial, but social franchising is now very popular uh, in the NGO set. And, yeah, I've, I'll take some leadership on that. I had an IFA task force of about 100 people for the past decade, all focused on using social franchising as a replacement for classical NGO models. I wanted just to add to that. One of Please, the Joyce. Inter- one of the interesting things about social franchising that I, I think and hope that the future uh, will permit it to expand to is, is that it's not only a way to get basic needs to a lot of people, but it's a way for those people to feel that they have equity in the business and that they are also able to provide employment to others and and so it it builds power in in those people where um, they felt powerless for. And if if there's anything that would um, help deal with uh, disputes, territorial, religious, whatever they may be, the idea that you can uh, feel confident and proud of what you are doing and that you are providing for your family and your community, um, I think has a uh, large ability to overcome um, a lot of the problems that are political uh, at, at this point. So I am hoping that as my, people like Michael, who are at the lead of, of bringing this globally, that people will start to see that it's it's even beyond basic needs. It's, it's really the fuel for human beings to, to feel empowered that they can control their destiny in an environment in which every moment may, they may feel threatened. And, and, Joyce, and I I'm think ma- there's, I'm gonna make there's day, really, Joyce. yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make your day. Um, many of our franchisees now in Africa are multi-unit <laughs> franchisees. 
And during... That cell phone's cutting out on you again, Michael. Africa. He was going to make my day. The one thing that happens, because because they're branded systems, the clinics are never touched by the local people. Clinics might be, but our clinics become part of the community, just like a Subway, just like a McDonald's, just like a Marriott becomes part of a community. Our system develops into a community so that people know, don't touch that business. It's locally owned. They do quality work. And so I think the message of social franchising, which is just a variation of commercial franchising, has exactly what you're talking about, Joyce. You're, you're dead on with your perception. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. And Joyce, I want to ask you in the time we've got left in a few minutes, if if you could share any last thoughts that you'd like to leave with the audience and then also uh, tell the audience how they could get in touch with you if they were interested in learning more about anything that we've talked about here or more about your work in the world of franchising. Well, I, and I appreciate that opportunity. I highly recommend anyone listening that has not um, taken a look at the book, Franchise Management for Dummies, to give it a read. Um, it is fast. It is uh, easy to read, and it touches on all of the points that we talked about today. Um, but it, it's, such, it's available for easy reference and easily absorbed. I want more and more franchisors and franchisees to read it, and I am um, available to provide copies to any group um, that is, you know, a school, um, any any educational group, um, uh, e- any business that feels that they could use the book to train their staff about franchising or uh, educate students. And so I'm at Gardeer, and uh, that's G-A-R-D-E-R-E, uh, right on right on the uh, Internet, have a great website, uh, and jo- it's Joyce Mazzaro, M-A-Z-E-R-O. So I hope that's um, an appropriate commercial, but would love to hear Absolutely. from you. <laughs> Michael, I hope your phone will hang in there long enough for you to mm-hmm. share any last words with the audience and how they can get in touch with you. It's easy to get in touch with me. The website is msaworldwide.com, and my email address is mside, S-E-I-D, at msaworldwide.com. So, you know, Google it, and uh, we'll pop up in a bunch of places. That's the easiest way to reach us. And and the book, Easily Found, Anywhere on the web, Amazon, Amazon. Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. It's also Great available stuff. as an ebook. It's also available as an ebook. So, uh, and Joyce, I didn't know if you know this or not. One of the major uh, lists have listed it as uh, uh, one of the books, one of the summer reading business reading books that you must read. So that's a compliment to Joyce's Fabulous. taking out the contractions. Fabulous. <laughs> well, I want to, you know, in, I want to thank you both. In Go part, ahead, Paul. Did you have something else? Yeah, and in in parting, I wanted to um, also say something. You know, I mentioned that you know Joyce and I worked together on the Coalition for Responsible Franchising back in the early '90s here in Texas, and that made an impact in my life. 
And uh, and Michael, I, I need to say that you made a a mark on my life as well, and I still have the dollar that you gave out at one of the prayer <laughs> breakfasts, and I still have right in front of me the scripture reading at the 2015 prayer breakfast that you so eloquently delivered uh, at the IFA convention. And I've got to tell you that uh, it made an impact on me beyond anything that I could, uh, could even begin to share with you. Um, so I, I want to thank you both also now for taking the time for being our guest today. Thank you. So Appreciate much. being on the show. Thank you very much, guys. And uh, uh, it's actually been a great joy this year. Uh, uh, it ends well with being on your show, and it started well with Joyce agreeing to uh, get into this task with me of writing a really enjoyable book. Thank well, we you, thank Michael. You both. Ditto. And and the world of franchising thanks you both for your contributions to uh, this great business model that we all love so much. Appreciate you being with us today too. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Paul, so Stan, we could have gone uh, for three another, hours. Uh, another great episode. I wish we, we, we had a little bit clearer, um, you know, phone connection with Michael, but sitting there by the Tappan Zee Bridge, you could only imagine some of the uh, um, atmospheric, as, atmospheric <laughs> distractions uh, going on in the space there. Uh, but, yeah, great information, franchise management for dummies. Uh, I highly recommend it uh, as well. And, Stan, I'll be seeing you uh, in the uh, city of brotherly love next week at the um, Springboard Conference. And then a few listeners that are up in the Boston area, uh, I will be up there next Thursday evening uh, speaking at the New England Franchise Association meeting. And uh, I look forward to uh, meeting you either in Philadelphia or Boston or at some other place in the future. Stan, have, we have? yourself a, uh, a good week. Oh, next week. Who do we next have next week? We have John oh. O'Brien. Yeah, John O'Brien uh, from Poolworks. Uh, we've had some, uh, we've had scheduled, we had technical difficulties and, and some other things. So I'm really looking forward to having uh, John and, uh, on the show. And, of course, I want to thank our friends at uh, BizCom. Uh, that have provided um, John and some other guests uh, of late. So really looking forward to next week as well. Ditto that, Paul, and we'll see you in Philly. Travel safe. Yep. Until next week, my name is Paul Segreto, wishing you the best, the very best. It's a great, great thing we call franchising, and Franchise Today is out. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segreto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion lights that pilot light under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well pay attention to this podcast that you hear is streaming in HD So fine tune both your ears And Stan and Paul lays down the law Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth The sensible franchising Proving concepts to smart enterprises So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here Franchising today 
franchising today. Sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today.